How many of you actually take warning labels seriously? You know, the warning labels on pretty much everything that you buy. Do you actually take those seriously? Some of you wives are looking at your husbands like, no, he doesn't. Um, I, I don't know if I'm desensitized to warning labels, um, but I don't always take them seriously. I actually think they're pretty funny. Um, maybe that's a dangerous spot to be in. But really, I mean, when you have a hair dryer and on it, it says, do not use while sleeping. Um, or for a pen that writes in invisible ink, the warning label says, do not use this to sign checks or legal documents. Um, or a letter opener from Staples or one of those office companies, and it says, to use it, you must wear goggles. Um, or Nitol. Nitol helps you get your Z's, right? It's a, a sleep medication, and there's a warning on the side of it that it may cause drowsiness. <laughs> or a windshield cover. Uh, the warning label on the windshield cover says, do not drive while it is in place. <laughs> this is my favorite one. I think it's self-explanatory. <laughs> so, I, I don't know. Eric, do you know why people need reminded to, yeah, yeah, I mean, so, um, and then finally, uh, this was a Superman costume that was sold on Amazon, and the warning label on the package says it does not enable flight or super strength. <laughs> I, I think the problem is we encounter so many warnings, it is nearly impossible to determine what is a true hazard and what is just a bunch of words that they're including on the packaging so that they can avoid a lawsuit. There was a 2016 Harvard research study that indicated that due to the overwhelming amount of warnings that shout danger, consumers ignore the warnings, whether legitimate or not, and it leads to unnecessary harm. And I think they wrote that article for someone like me. Uh, They said, though, in the article, the problem with our present warning system is that it shouts danger for both wolves and puppies. Such a system is of little value. People quickly learn to ignore warnings since they encounter vastly more puppies than wolves. The result is that when a wolf is truly present, people pay little attention. Now we can apply these observations even in the spiritual life. I mean, we read the Bible... And we come across warning passages. We come across God saying, watch out, be careful, warning. And we sometimes think, that can't be that bad. Or surely that doesn't apply to someone like me. I mean, maybe someone else. I mean, how many times have we read things in Scripture and said, well, that sounds really good but we rarely actually live it out in belief. And we're talking about the functional, everyday call to righteousness. And we're not talking about big deal spiritual things like who Jesus is, because I think we hold on to that. 
We hold on to the the grace of God and, and the power of salvation. But when it comes down to the things that God says about, if you love me, do these things. And we read these, do these things statements, and we think, I'll get to it. And yet, tucked into that call to obedience is a warning. God is warning us that if we are truly not living for Him, how, how do we really say that we love Him? All throughout Scripture, God warns us. He captures our attention because He does not want us to be harmed in life. All of the do's and don'ts, all of the, hey, be careful about going here, all of the statements that we read in Scripture that seem like, hey, the world doesn't live like that, all of the hard decisions that we have to make, all of those things that are written that some people look at us and say, yeah, that's why I don't believe because I'm not living my life that way. God's not trying to harm us. He's trying to protect us. He's trying to to care for us and, and, and help us to be careful as we live in this world. And when we heed God's warnings, it brings God's blessing. Maybe I need to say that again. When we heed God's warnings, it brings God's blessing. How many of you want God's blessing in your life? I do. And so when I read the pages of Scripture and the challenging things that call me out of a life of sin into a life of righteousness, I'm more and more realizing that God doesn't want me to just make it through this life carrying all the drudgery of all the spiritual things that make life more difficult because it's not natural to do those things, but that he's inviting me to the true life that is found in Jesus. And when I walk in obedience to what his word says, he blesses me. And, and to live in the light of God's blessing is truly a good and gracious gift that he gives. But here's the thing. If we ignore the warnings... If we ignore the warnings of wisdom, we have nobody to blame but ourselves. Nobody to blame but ourselves. God has clearly spoken in His Word. He's not trying to trick us. He's not trying to hide wisdom from us. He's not trying to confuse us. God is not writing his word to us in some mysterious way that we need like a decoder ring to figure it out. He's clearly said what it means to walk in wisdom. And he has clearly given us his word so that we can avoid the pitfalls and dangers of life so that we can live with his blessing, with his purpose. He's not up there looking at us thinking, well, let's see how hard I can make it for them today. He's trying to help you. He's trying to help us. And yet we still ignore the warnings. Our passage today is a warning. You may want to write on the margin of your Bible next to verse 20, the word danger. Or if you know the sign, right? The, is it the yellow uh, triangle sign with the explanation point 
you know, danger, warning, watch out. Because maybe it's a passage that you need to go back to, to encourage yourself to say, oh, right, this is why God is saying I have to do all the things that seem really hard to do. Because he's not trying to punish us. He's not trying to to make life difficult. He's not a joy kill, but he's trying to lead us into the light of his blessing. And to do that, we need to heed the call of wisdom. If we fail to listen to the call of wisdom and apply it in our lives, it's a matter of life and death. It's a matter of life and death. I mentioned a few weeks ago that the first nine chapters of Proverbs form a foundation of the value of wisdom. Before we get to all of the short statements that are found in Proverbs about wisdom concerning uh, what we say and how we think and where we spend our time and how we spend our time and the people that are around us and all of the, the short statements on wisdom. Solomon sets a sure foundation of, of the foundation of what wisdom truly is. And, and really a part of that foundation is this call that if we miss wisdom's call, it brings great trouble and peril to our lives. God's wisdom is readily available. And now we need to listen to it. Our passage this morning speaks to us specifically concerning what happens when we slip into complacency. You know, when we're not as faithful to hear the call of wisdom. When we have the attitude, I'll get to it tomorrow or next week. Or I have to just get through this season, and then I'll start working on those things. The passage breaks down the demand of wisdom, the danger of ignoring it, and finally the safety that wisdom brings. And so let's look at this together. In verses 20 through 21 in Proverbs 1, this is what we read. Wisdom shouts in the street. She lifts her voice in the square. At the head of the noisy streets, she cries out. At the entrance of the gates in the city, she utters her sayings. What we see is that wisdom is personified here. Notice who's doing the shouting. It's not a person. It's wisdom. And this is at least the, the first of Uh, Two other places in Proverbs, as in Proverbs 8 and in Proverbs 9, where wisdom is personified. Wisdom is pictured as a woman shouting in the streets. Some of you guys are thinking, oh no, my wife's going to think she's the wisest person in the world. And No, I'm not saying that that's what this passage is saying. She might be wiser than you. But wisdom is a person standing in the corners Shouting, lifting, crying out, and uttering her sayings. But do you see what God is saying about wisdom here? Wisdom calls out in the hustle and bustle of life. Wisdom isn't found in the secret places, in the hidden books, in the religious centers. Wisdom is in the marketplace. Wisdom is in the street, in the square, in the noisy streets, in the entrance of the gates. God is not hiding himself in wisdom. 
God is saying wisdom is out there where the people are. It's not just a church thing that we open up the Bible and, oh, there's wisdom. And it's just for, closed off for everyone else. No, wisdom is readily announced to the community. Lady Wisdom is standing in the crossroads of culture, right in the middle of life. She stands up and shouts more loudly than anyone else. The picture is of wisdom being personified like a street preacher that is standing on the corner shouting for people to repent and turn to the Lord. You know the street preachers, right? Like they have their, their voice loud and ready to go so that everyone can hear the danger of what is to come. Why is wisdom found here and not in the sacred places? Because it's in the streets and the markets and in the gates where everyone is. The point is that wisdom is practical and it's approachable. Wisdom is practical and approachable. God's not hiding himself in the way of life. He's not trying to confuse anyone. He is practically giving people the truths of how to live so that they can find true life in him. Wisdom calls like a prophet. What's interesting is in verse 1 or verse 2, Oh, no, I'm sorry, verse 20. Uh, wisdom here is in the plural. It's not singular wisdom. It's all of wisdom. Like all the wisdom that we can come up with that comes from God. This is how wisdom is portrayed. Solomon is signifying the intensity and how comprehensive wisdom is. That God's truth that leads us to life isn't just in this small category of life. It's, it doesn't just affect, you know, the spiritual things. That God's wisdom covers the gamut and that every aspect of our lives is affected by God's truth. That God speaks into every area in some significant way so that he can rule our hearts so that we can live a life that truly pleases him. And because wisdom is in the marketplace, in the commonplace, in the busy streets, none of us have an excuse to say, we didn't hear her call. We didn't hear what she was saying. No one can say when trouble visits us. And you know what the seasons of trouble are like, right? Often the seasons of trouble visit us because we have failed to listen to wisdom and we have decided to... to follow our flesh, and it leads us to trouble. Nobody can say in those moments, I didn't know. I never heard. Wisdom shouts. She lifts up her voice. She cries out, and she utters her sayings. God wants to speak into your life with a helpfulness only He can give. We should not think, Finally, when I have time on my schedule, I might be free to pay more attention. God is free right now, and He's speaking. He's speaking to us. If we don't believe, 
If we use the excuse, some other time, but not now, some other place, but not here, some other people, but not us, we put ourselves in dangerous ground. But believing wisdom's call in the city streets as she is urgently, clearly sharing her warnings, we respond with belief that says anything that God has done elsewhere, he will do here. Anything he did at another time, he is willing to do now. Anything he ever did for other people, he is willing to do for us. God wants to work through us. He wants to invite us to this call of wisdom to trust him. And he gives us evidence of that all around us. God is available. Like here's the thing about wisdom. God is available. But he demands that we hear him above all the noise that so easily wants to drown out what he is saying. Wisdom shouts in the street, lifts her voice in the square, is at the head of the noisy street she cries out, and at the entrance of the gates in the city she utters her sayings. So what does she say? What does Lady Wisdom say? Well, this is the content in verses 22 through 31. This is what wisdom is saying in these moments. And the only way I can convey this is with this. Will you love being simple-minded. And scoffers delight themselves in scoffing and fools hate knowledge. You want me to read the whole passage like this? Yes! <laughs> like, that's the picture. How long? How long? How long will we hear the call of wisdom? And say, no, I never heard it. By the way, that works great at waking up kids in the morning. (laughs) If you want to borrow it, let me know. Wisdom doesn't whisper. Wisdom isn't hiding. And as we see in these verses, rejecting wisdom places us in a dangerous predicament. Verse 23, we read, Turn to my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit on you. I will make my words known to you. Because I called and you refused, I stretched out my hand and no one paid attention. And you neglected all my counsel and did not want my reproof. I will also laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your dread comes. When your dread comes like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind. When distress and anguish come upon you. They, then they will call on me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but they will not find me. Because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord, they would not accept my counsel. They spurned all my reproof. 
so they shall eat of the fruit of their own way and be satiated with their own devices. That's a warning. That's a solemn warning. That's a danger, slow down, listen up warning. Wisdom's warning is framed in calling out through a complaint. How long will you ignore me? Now, three types of people are addressed. The naive, the scoffer, and the fool. There's a buildup from the basic rejection to a more sophisticated rejection. The question is, how long will we go rejecting wisdom's call? And I think a close second question that is um, not said in the text, but it's inferred, is what is it going to take for us to listen? What is it going to take for God to move us from the trouble that we continue to find ourselves in to, to put our feet on the sure ground of his truth so that we don't have to go through the calamities of life and say, oh my gosh, how did I get here? And cry out then. God is wanting to warn us now. And what is it going to take for us to listen? Remember, framing this whole argument in Proverbs is a father saying to his soon-to-be adult child, like old enough that he's over the elementary things and, 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 you know, as like a child going through the childish things of life to the, okay, I'm becoming my own person, investigating the world, trying to figure out how to live life. And here is Father Wisdom saying, watch out because life is hard. Life is difficult. Life has traps and pitfalls and hurdles. And so if you listen to my word, if you listen to what I'm saying, then you will find your feet on the shore ground and find God's blessing over your life. What is it going to take for us to finally get it? God knows that we are slow learners. So he repeatedly says things again and again. Watch out. Watch out. Watch out. Watch out. And then there's us in our hardness of heart saying, yeah, well, that worked for them, but you know what? It's not too bad now. I, I can manage this. How many of you have gone through seasons of your life where you, figure, you feel like you're managing your chaos, but you haven't surrendered to the Lord? And you're thinking, it's not that big a deal yet. How many of you want to have the calamity that's described in Proverbs 1 visit you? In verse 27, and your calamity comes like a whirlwind. The storm is coming. And God is saying, get out of the way of the storm and trust me. He's warning us. The naive that is called out to is a reference to the young or simple. The naive are people who believe anything but examine nothing. Like they're the people that watch the infomercials late at night and think, wow, that actually works. I can buy a knife that can cut a penny and that's useful for me. They don't examine anything. 
The scoffer refers to the person who is defiant and cynical to wisdom. The scoffers think they know everything. And know anyone like that? The scoffer thinks they know everything, and they laugh at things that are really important. I, I know people like that. I've met people like that. I've been around people like that that have heard wisdom's warning. They have heard the truth of God. They have heard what God has said. They know that it's there, and they think, <laughs> that doesn't apply to me. And finally, the fool. The fool refers to the downright morally insensitive. Fools are people who are ignorant of truth because they are dull and stubborn. They hate knowledge. They hate knowledge. They don't want to hear God's truth. They despise it. Do you see the progression? The naive becomes the scoffer, and the scoffer becomes the fool. If we avoid wisdom's call too long, we move along in this process. And when we hear God's truth, we reject it all out because we hate the God who has said the truth. We harden our hearts and we despise the words of life. The problem of a fool isn't a low IQ or a poor education. Their problem is a lack of spiritual desire to seek and find God's wisdom. Fools enjoy their foolishness. They enjoy it. It's like they celebrate and marvel in the, the ways that they can struggle and, and, and find themselves falling short in, in life. And you might say, surely no one lives that way. There are more people that live that way in the world today than there are people who follow the way of wisdom. And their hearts are, are almost calloused and, 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 and cold towards the truth of what God has said. And in spite of this progression, in spite of this struggle, in spite of the hardships that, that we experience as a result of our ignorance and rejection of what God is saying, listen to what wisdom says. Turn to my reproof in verse 23. That word turn is very important. At the heart of that Hebrew word for turn is the word that we use elsewhere in the Old Testament for repentance. The word turn here is one of the most important words in all of Scripture. Turning, listening to wisdom's call, requires a decisive act. It requires a conscious Ability that if you're heading in this direction towards the way of the full, you turn towards the voice of wisdom. And when you turn towards the voice of God's wisdom, you are rejecting all of the knowledge, all of the false truth, all of the lies of what a fool listens to. 
It's rejecting consciously the things of this world to hear the voice of God. Wisdom is crying out, how long will you wallow in difficulty? Now listen, I know we're in church and we're a bunch of people that love Jesus and we're here to celebrate the Lord Jesus Christ and sing his praises. But I can also guarantee that there are at least some people, some people here today that need to hear the warning, stop following the way of the world and turn around and listen to the voice of God. This isn't just a theoretical argument for out there in the marketplace, but for us today, if God is saying to any of you, it's time to turn around. I beg you to listen to wisdom's voice. God does not want to see you struggle through life. He wants you to have life abundantly in him. And when we turn, what does wisdom promise to do? We'll look at verse 23. Turn to my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit on you. When you turn towards wisdom, wisdom does not reject you. Wisdom doesn't say, oh, okay, finally, well, maybe. The promise of wisdom is that when we turn towards it, wisdom pours out its spirit in our lives. We can only be wise when our hearts are turned towards God. And wisdom, wisdom's words can only be known when we are attentive to its call. This verse gives assurance. There's assurance here. What is assurance? It's comfort. God gives comfort. And he says, if you listen to my word, this is what I will do. Wisdom isn't going to leave us on the side of the road saying, well, I turned to you and you didn't hear me. Wisdom is going to say, listen, if you turn to me, I'm going to pour out my spirit on you and guide you. If you listen to wisdom's call, God's word will come alive in your life. But the danger, as verse 24 and 25 indicate, is that indifference creates continued trouble. Because I called you and you refused, I stretched out my hand and no one paid attention and you neglected all my counsel and did not want my reproof, right? All of the warning signs were going off. All of the lights were blinking, like slow down, caution, watch out. And we just continue head down, bore right through it and think, ah, I got a handle on this. What happens? Verse 26, I will also laugh at your calamity and I will mock when your dread comes. We don't like to hear those kind of words in Scripture, right? We don't like to hear those kinds of warnings. We want everything to say, okay, in that time of trouble, God will miraculously show up and with a magic wand, poof, everything will be better. We want God to step in and fix all of our trouble and misery and, and problems absent from us. We want him to be a get-out-of-jail-free card, like in the game of Monopoly. We want him to erase all of our problems without any 
effort on our own. And wisdom is saying that is not the way. That is not how God works. God invites us to walk with him in truth. And you might even say, okay, I can get that to a point, but you're saying to me, or God is saying to me, that wisdom laughs in my trouble and mocks us in that time of calamity. And that is what God is saying. This isn't a joking laugh. It's more of an amazement of the stupidity of fools who continue to reject the clear teaching of God's truth. Like wisdom is saying, what What do I have to do? I've been telling you all along. I've been out in the streets. I've been at the marketplace. I've been at the gates telling you, stop what you're doing. Stop the way you're going. Listen to my words. And now you find yourself in this trouble. I don't get it. That's how wisdom is responding to the way of the fool. God will not be mocked. Any trouble that visits us is a direct result of our own doing. God does not bring trouble to those who trust him. In verse 27, we read, When your dread comes like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish comes upon you, that's when we see wisdom saying, what needs to happen for us to finally listen? When the willful rejection of wisdom comes, it comes in a whirlwind. Failing to turn towards wisdom brings trouble. How many of us have witnessed people reject wisdom and watch their lives fall apart? I can't tell you how many times I have heard or experienced people hear God's truth and reject it almost immediately like they never heard it at all. And their lives fall apart. And they've said, I, don't, I have no clue of why this happened. And it seems shocking, but it's just this overwhelming feeling like, God has said all along, seek these things, pursue these things. I mean, you don't need some special kind of degree to to hear this word and understand it. When you believe, God gives you all the tools that you need because he puts his spirit inside of you and the spirit teaches us his truth. And it's not this hidden revelation, this hidden mystery that we think, okay, well, I don't know, maybe I can figure it out on my own. No, God is saying, listen, I'm going to make it super easy for you. You have everything at your disposal to know what I'm saying. And he also gives us the spirit, the energy, right? The the ability, the power to actually live it out. But the scoffers, especially, and the foolish who reject wisdom's call experience a whirlwind. 
without it turning back towards wisdom. Wisdom will not answer when sought after because scoffers and fools hated knowledge and chose not to fear the Lord. They chose not to fear the Lord. That's the beginning of wisdom, to fear God. And we reject that. We, we reject the fundamental, foundational truth to hear God's word to our own demise. Listen, there may be no atheists in foxholes, but God's wisdom is not a get-out-of-jail-free card. People in their trouble might say, okay, finally. But it doesn't mean that if we turn to God magically, everything's going to disappear. You know, there are consequences for the choices that we make in life. And that's what Proverbs highlights, that if we choose the way of foolishness, trouble is coming. And what do we read in the concluding verses in this passage? Verse 30 They would not accept my counsel. They spurned all my reproof. So they shall eat of the fruit of their own way and be satiated with their own devices. A continued refusal to accept God's truth leads to a disastrous life. Disastrous. Trouble. Big time trouble. The unwise eat the fruit of their own way. The fruit here is the consequences of their actions. The way of the unwise and what it produces becomes the end result. They stand in contrast to the way of wisdom, the way that they have rejected. The final two verses sums up really a blessing why we follow wisdom. There's a contrast going on here first. We, we need to see that. The first contrast or the the first comparison is the the way of the fool contrasted with the way of wisdom verse 32 is the way of the fool for the waywardness of the naive will kill them and the complacency of fools will destroy them but he who listens to me shall live securely and will be at ease from the dread of evil these final verses offer wisdom safety now this word complacency that is used in verse 32. Complacency often seems easy, right? Like, if someone's complacent, they're just like, eh, no big deal. They're neither hot or cold. They're neutral. You think, well, maybe that's the way. But complacency is a counterfeit ease because complacency concerning spiritual things will destroy the fool. But notice verse 33. But he who listens to me, this is Lady Wisdom speaking, but he who listens to me shall live securely and will be at ease from the dread of evil. See the promise? When you listen to the word of wisdom. Now, we like, we like some of what this verse is saying. But he who listens, some of your translations might say, but whoever listens, we love the whoever, like the invitation for wisdom is for everyone, right? Anyone, everyone qualifies. There's room for you and me. 
But the hard part is listening. But he who listens to me, because listening takes priority, responsibility. It takes time and effort. It takes leaning in and not turning our attention to the other things that want to grab our attention. Listening is the hard part. But for those who listen to Lady Wisdom's call, we'll live securely and we'll be at ease from the dread of evil. I think that's something we all want, right? Right? Okay, good. You're tracking with me. Now, we've been talking over the last few weeks about wisdom being personified. Now, here we see lady wisdom, but let's talk about big picture. Um, Who is the personification of wisdom in Scripture? It is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is wisdom. From the outset, it seems like to follow Jesus, it's a human, humanly dangerous relationship. To follow Jesus, you're rejecting everything else. And the world looks at you and says, you're out of your mind. But Jesus is also the easiest person in the universe to follow. In Matthew 11.30, Jesus said, his yoke is easy. Jesus is easier on you than you are on yourself. He loves you tenderly, he corrects you helpfully, and he carries you faithfully all the way into wisdom forever. And the price you pay for his true calling and wisdom is listening to him. To listen to Jesus sets you apart for him, where alone you are safe. Now, those who respond to wisdom's voice have a peaceful condition. And the terms that are used in verses 32 and 33, contracting the, contrasting the way of the fool with the way of wisdom, these are terms that have a permanent settled condition attached to them. To listen and to follow wisdom leads to life. Now, Jesus took these words and he personified them in his own mouth as wisdom incarnate. He warned a storm is coming. In the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 7, Jesus told the crowds and everyone that heard his words and reads his words that a storm is coming. And he compared it with a wise man who built his house on a rock compared to a foolish man who built his house on the sand. Some of you are singing the song right now in your head. But when the storm comes, it doesn't matter because the rock is going to hold us. Everyone who does not listen will be like the foolish man who built his house on the sand. And when the winds blew and the waves crashed, the house fell down. When people say, don't rush me, I'm not that bad, 
I'm too busy. Maybe later. They are constantly living on a foundation of shifting sand. And the storm is going to come. It's going to come. And the fall of the house will be catastrophic. Church, if you have breath in your lungs, if your heart is still beating, there is time to turn. There's time to turn. Repent from your selfish ways. And know that you will find the Lord who will strengthen you and set your feet on the sure ground of his truth. And God will guide your path. Don't reject his words. For some of you, that means today, right now, it means you might need to just for the first time or the first time in a long time, cry out to God and ask for his help. He's calling out to you. He's crying out to you. He's shouting to you. Trust me. Listen to his words. And he will give you life. Let's pray. Father, we